You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here again with our MLB.com D-backs reporter, Steve Gilbert. And, Steve, the D-backs have made a trade. Uh, so something to kind of focus in on a little bit for this podcast because the hot stove season is off to such a slow start that we're kind of grasping for things to uh, to discuss. But we have something, and that is the D-backs adding to their bullpen. They get Brad Boxberger from the Rays for Curtis Taylor, who is in the uh, in the system a minor leaguer for the uh, D-backs. But you look at Boxberger, and he's a guy who's battled injuries the last couple of years. But when healthy, he's always been effective. Where do you see him fitting into that D-backs bullpen? Yeah, Tim, I think he, he kind of fits what the Diamondbacks uh, under Mike Hazen last year and now again this year looks like. Uh, are going to do when it comes to building a bullpen. They're going to give themselves, um, uh, try to get a, a few guys that have late inning experience, uh, as Boxberger did. You mentioned uh, he was their, their primary closer back in uh, 2015 and saved 41 games um, and has battled injuries the last two years. So, uh, you know, guys that, that are coming back either from an injury or from a down year or whatever it might be that they're able to get a bargain on. Um, that's kind of the way they built this bullpen last year, whether it was, uh, you know, signing Jorge De La Rosa, um, picking up Fernando Rodney, um, uh, TJ McFarland, some different guys that, that contributed to their bullpen last year. Seems to be kind of the way they're going to go this year. And, and uh, Boxberger was a guy the Rays were looking to, to move because he's uh, likely to make almost $2 million via arbitration this year. Um, the Diamondbacks now gives them some flexibility. Again, how they want to, you know, work that back end of the bullpen. They, if uh, Fernando Rodney doesn't end up coming back to them in terms of, uh, you know, his demands for a contract coming down, uh, then they've got Archie Bradley that maybe they can use to get some important outs like the Indians do with uh, uh, with the big left-hander whose name just absolutely uh, escapes me. And then they come back with uh, with Allen in the ninth, so they could maybe uh, do something like that with Boxberger and Bradley. So. They're kind of being flexible as to how they want to uh, to build that bullpen. Andrew Miller, just to remind That's you. That's who I'm thinking name. of. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a little, little brain cramp there. No, absolutely. With all the names, it, it definitely happens. Uh, you look at Boxberger's numbers. He's only 29 years old. Seems like he's been around for a long time, but but still on this side of 30. 4-4 uh, four and four last year, 3-3-8 ERA. He did have 40 strikeouts in 20 and a third inning, so that's a good number. I uh, missed the first half of the season, basically. But you look at the late season stuff, and he was tremendous down the stretch. His last nine appearances, a 0.96 ERA, just one earned run over nine and a third innings. You mentioned that he was the closer in 2015 so he's a guy that can handle those pressure spots and it seems like to me they don't give up a whole lot in Curtis Taylor to get him it's a it's a great move Uh, basically you're you're helping out a raise team that obviously has to get rid of money but you're able to bring in talent it's a good move for the D-backs all right one thing that comes from that I think though is that it's one more player that is eligible for arbitration (laughs) and wow there's a whole lot of them right now 15 is the number right for the D-backs yeah, 15. They just added one, so now they're at 15. And I was, I was talking with Mike Hazen about that the other day, and he said, you know, that's probably the biggest class he's faced, um, certainly in Arizona, but also probably going back to his Boston years, too. Um, it, it speaks to kind of the young talent that they've had kind of coming up through this system and, and that the young players that that they've acquired, um, that they have this many. Now, there, there, there are a few that could be possible non uh, non-tender guys when when the deadline rolls around on Friday, whether that's uh, J.J. Hoover or Chris Herman, 
depending on you know what direction they decide to go. But for the most part, um, those guys are, are they're going to you know try to work to find some deals with those guys. And uh, obviously, you know most teams nowadays avoid arbitration, and certainly Dimebacks don't want to have uh, fourteen or fifteen arbitration cases to be preparing for in the month of January. That could get uh, pretty busy for them. Now, different teams have different philosophies when it comes to arbitration. Obviously, there's the uh, teams that once once the numbers are in, they will uh, refuse to negotiate anymore. And then more, some teams, more than others, like to work out those multiple-year deals so you don't have to worry about it down the stretch. Is that something with this many guys? Obviously, you have 15 guys eligible this year. I don't think you want to go next year and have a similar situation. So do you think they'd really try to work out some multi-year deals with a, with a good number of these guys to avoid a uh, sequel in a year? Sure. I think, I mean, I think they, they could try with some of these guys that they might uh, feel are core guys, whether it's, you know, a Robbie Ray or uh, Jake Lamb. Um, you know, those are, those are a couple of names that, that jump out to me as guys that, that they might want to think about. Uh, it's also possible maybe they do something with Shelby Miller, who's you know coming back from Tommy John surgery to kind of give him more of an incentive-based uh, deal. Um, you know, there's different different ways they can get creative with that. Um, Taiwan Walker's another guy that that maybe they might look at for a multi-year deal. So it really, also I'm sure you know I'm sure they're discussing some of these guys in trades. Um, you know, to try to move uh, possibly some guys to to free up some financial flexibility, but. Uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, to see how it all plays out this winter for them. Some good news for the D-backs on the injury side of things. Follow-up MRI for Randall Delgado, and it showed some improvement. His season ended back on July 16th. He had played well up to that point uh, in 26 games. He had a 3.59 ERA for this team. Uh, he had the platelet-rich plasma injection in September, and it seems like that's working. Yeah, that's a, it's a good sign for them because uh, Delgado is kind of one of those uh, underrated uh, contributors last year to their team. He was able to, to both start and relieve for them, um, you know, five starts, able to give the rotation a break occasionally, um, pitched well out of the bullpen. You know, he pitched as many as, as three innings at a time out of the bullpen um, and also was called in at times to, to get one hitter out. So he showed a, a tremendous amount of flexibility and I think that's really, you know, when, when they lost him, uh, that, that really put a little bit of a strain on the bullpen because he was kind of their jack-of-all-trades down there and somebody who, who always bounced back really quickly and, and was always able to pitch in a variety of roles. So I think they, they very much missed him down the stretch last year. So what's the schedule from here for him? Is it the thought that he will be ready to go come spring training, or is he going to be delayed in getting ready? You know, they're, they're certainly opti- cautiously optimistic about that. Um, they'll know more when he starts throwing, and, and they're going to have him do that uh, at the normal time he would for uh, for preparing for spring training, which is probably just after Christmas time, uh, Mike Hazen said. So um, they'll know more once he actually gets on the mound and once he starts playing catch and, and starts throwing a little bit more. Um, so right now, I guess you'd say they're cautiously optimistic that uh, that he'll be okay for next year. So the big name around baseball this offseason, obviously there's Giancarlo Stanton on the trade front, but then it's Shohei Otani, of course, the great two-way player out of Japan. He can hit home runs. He can throw 102 miles per hour, and he is coming to Major League Baseball. And in theory, every team kind of has a chance because from a financial standpoint, it's not going to cost a lot relative. $20 million will go to his team in Japan, and then 
it's international bonus money, so depending on how much teams have left, the most is I think the Yankees and Rangers have a little over $3 million. So in theory, every team has a chance of wooing Otani to their city. The D-backs would obviously uh, be an outside shot, I think. But if there was a pitch to be made by the D-backs to get Shohei Otani, what do you think that would be? Well, I think it kind of dovetails a little bit with what uh, with what Mike Hazen and Tori Lavello said at the end of last year, um, that they're trying to make Arizona a destination place for players, and and by that they're talking about they played up some of the uh, some of the, the the benefits to playing uh, in Arizona, such as the spring training facility that they have, um, the fact that player could live in Phoenix and not have to travel for spring training or during the regular season. Um, I mean, travel for the, for home games, obviously, um, and that's a tremendous benefit. Obviously, the the quality of life and the weather out here is is pretty good, especially during the off season. And when it comes to to Tori Lavello and and kind of the culture that he's trying to build in the clubhouse, and everyone talked about what a great communicator he is, and and um, you know how he treats the players. I think they're they're looking at that as a selling point. Um, and certainly, they've beefed up their their analytics. And they've got a lot of uh, a lot of different ways to, to help players when it comes to things like that, and and that's important in this day and age. You you know you heard Justin Verlander talk about you know when he went over to the Astros all the uh, the wealth of information that that they provided for him um, that really helped him. So I think those are the kind of selling points that that they would uh, that they would probably make to Otani. They, uh, as you said, are probably. Uh, a long shot for them. They they only have about seven hundred thousand dollars, I believe, in bonus money um, to to offer. Uh, but I think they'll they'll probably try to make a case that that, that the quality of life and his ability to uh, to stay at home year round uh, would be a would be a big benefit for him. All right. To wrap things up, I want some bold predictions, Steve, for this off season <laughs> since it really still hasn't gotten going. Uh, so there's still time to to get some. Big moves in. These aren't things that you think will actually happen this offseason, but just predictions for some crazy things the D-backs could do in theory that would really grab some headlines. All right, so I, I'll give you two, and they're kind of combined into one. Sure. Um, and again, like, like I said, not saying this is going to happen, but you asked for something that's bold, that is uh, possible, but, but, but highly unlikely. I, I would say the Diamondbacks find a taker, um, for Zach Greinke and his uh, and his all the money left on his deal, and they use that savings then to turn around and become a surprise bidder for JD Martinez uh, and bring him back uh, as as their outfielder and 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 cleanup hitter again. So that would be my uh, my bold prediction. Wow, I like that. Um, what would that do for the pitching staff then, though? Without Greinke at the front end, is there enough depth there to? So. And I know that would that would be that, that's a great question that you ask. and I think that's kind of where you get into uh, when you're trying to make room for for JD financially. Where do you do it, and 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 you know, are you taking away too much on on one end uh, to you know Robin Robin Peter to pay Paul, and, and how hard would that be? So I think that would definitely leave a hole in the rotation, and um, they would have to go out and find find another pitcher for sure. All right, great bold prediction. I like that one. That'll do it for uh, this one. This has been MOB.com Extras, D-backs edition. For Steve Gilbert, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.